We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today is Monday, January the 31st, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. And on today's show, I break down Saturday's game as the Gamecocks Find a way yet again with another big second-half comeback as Frank Martin's squad beats the Texas A&M Aggies for the sixth consecutive time by a final score of 74-63. to 63. Guys, I'll break down the game in its entirety. We'll talk biggest takeaways, hand out the Shooter Shoot Award, and I'll talk about what's next for South Carolina as well. Also, guys, Shane Beamer keeps on keeping on as the preferred walk-on commitments Pour in over the weekend, guys. I'll break down these guys, talk about each and what they mean for South Carolina football moving forward. Also, news and notes to get into your listener questions and a great conversation, great throwback interview with former Gamecocks fullback Jacob August as we detailed his illustrious career in Garnet and Black. Guys, i got a packed show for you here on this Monday. And, of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, for all your moving needs in the 2022 calendar year, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. Or of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Let's get it. a good comeback story to see someone or something beat the odds show resiliency and perform at their best with their backs against the wall. Are we seeing that right now with this Gamecocks basketball team? And as we sit here on the last day of January and close out this month, and look ahead to a new month upon us with challenges 
all across the horizon. One thing's for certain. It's going to be a lot of damn fun to see how this thing unfolds. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, happy Monday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up show as always. Appreciate you all tuning in. I hope this show does find you well, no matter where you are, what you are doing. Hope you're off to a fantastic start in your week. After a week on the road last week down in sunny Florida, it feels damn good, I will say, to be back in the studio. We had a blast last week, but again, love the comfortable confines of the studio, rocking and rolling with the content this week. And again, folks, as you all know, this is one of my favorite times of year because we got the court cocks going. We got the yard cocks playing in scrimmages right now, literally a scrimmage today, this afternoon, opening day, creeping up just around the corner. QB1 is officially home on campus. A lot to be excited about right now and a lot to get into here on this Monday show. Again, guys, hope this show does find you. And I hope your week's getting off to a fantastic start. Before we get rocking and rolling here on this Monday, a couple of quick housekeeping items. Of course, first, guys, we're back. In case you could not tell, we are back in the studio. Podcast, Daily Crow, all the content rolling this week as normal. You already know the drill. And again, it feels good to be good, and it feels good to be back in studio as well. Of course, like I said, we're back, which means Tin Roof is back this Wednesday Five to seven will be out there. Also, though, really excited. Going to have a busy, busy Wednesday night because after the Tin Roof Show, we're going to be there for a little bit. We're actually heading over to Pinch in Five Points. The good fine folks at Pinch uh, wanted to partner up for a giveaway. And, of course, they do their bingo on Wednesday nights, and they give away prize packages. We are actually giving away a TSUS swag bag, if you will, that'll include a hat, hoodie, and a t-shirt. So again, really excited to partner up with those fine folks over at Pinch. Be sure to come on out to Pinch on Wednesday night. And I got a feeling things might get a little rowdy on Wednesday. Who knows? Who knows? Would be kind of standard at this point. But uh, either way, 10 roof Pinch on Wednesday night. Also, guys, very excited to announce. You might have seen this on social media teased. But if you're hearing the sound of my voice right now, you've probably already seen it this morning be announced. The University of South Carolina has officially partnered up with the fine folks over at Homefield, and Homefield is officially one of the newest sponsors of the Spurs Up show. So again, guys, excited to announce this partnership. You might be asking yourself, Chris, what is Homefield? Guys, Homefield is premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. They're incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. Guys, you all know if you've been following me for any length of time, I am a huge vintage guy. Obviously, we we supported and sponsored the Threat Affair event in Columbia, South Carolina, now partnering up with Homefield, who literally specializes in officially licensed apparel that is all Vintage guys, I'm telling you right now, the Gamecock collection is absolutely insane. Homefield is kicking off big new Saturday season three, where they launch a new school on their site every Saturday for eight week straight. And guys, I'm proud to say that South Carolina is week three. Guys, Homefield digs through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your. School guys, again, the launch will be officially on February the 5th. South Carolina is week three. The launch is February the 5th. South Carolina collection has 13 pieces of apparel in the collection, including t shirts, hoodies, 
crew necks, and they're all vintage marks as well. Guys, here's a little secret. I've actually received my merchandise. I've received the stuff from the folks at Homefield. Dude, it's incredible, man. The brand is awesome. The people are great. The quality of this merchandise, you guys all know, if you rock with the TSUS merch, you know we only have a standard of excellence and a high standard for the stuff that we wear. This is going to become a piece in my rotation. No doubt the home field stuff, the, the, the comfortability of this stuff is absolutely incredible. Guys, again, the detail, the feel, the shirt, the way it fits as well, everything, uh, it actually exceeded my expectations. It's absolutely incredible. Guys, get this as well. New customers can get 15% off their first purchase from home field with the code Spurs Up at checkout. And yes, that is our promo code. So again, 15% off your first purchase from Homefield with the promo code Spurs Up at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Again, that's promo code Spurs Up, 15% off at homefieldapparel.com. And again, guys, appreciate those fine folks at Homefield for reaching out to us, allowing us to be a part of pushing the product. And like I told you guys, I know you got to wait. February the 5th is when it drops. These vintage pieces are absolutely incredible. Again, RIP your wallets because you're going to be spending a lot of money on this merchandise. And guys, I would not be pushing the merch if I wasn't, number one, a big fan of it. Number two, trusting the people at home field, uh, the quality, the customer service, everything is fantastic. And again, guys, so you're going to be hearing me talk a lot about home field apparel over the next few weeks or so. But again, really, really excited and appreciative of the opportunity to partner with these guys. And again, that will be this Saturday. That's when the apparel drops this Saturday. The home field apparel will drop again. That promo code spurs up. Make sure you use that, and you'll see us talking about them a lot on social media as well. All right, guys, let's dive into a Gamecocks getting a big, big victory on the hardwood on Saturday night as Frank Martin's squad show their, shows their resiliency yet again. Final score, 74-63. to 63. Gamecocks taking on the Texas A&M Aggies. And I tell you what, guys, let me start here, by the way. Because I'm sure many of you are tuning in. You know, I, I, I caught it over the weekend. Chris, you still on the fire, Frank Martin? What do you think about Frank Martin? Guys, let me point something out really quickly. There, there's a reason why, and a lot of the reaction is why I waited so long in the Frank Martin tenure to say anything. Because I, I don't have this feeling of our basketball program is doomed with Frank Martin at the helm. This situation and the situation that was felt in Gamecocks football with Will Muschamp, totally different. And I feel like people just see a tweet. They see one five-second clip of a video, and they're like, oh, Chris is a fire Frank Martin, going to run him out of town type of guy. This program, let's call it for what it is, this program about a week and a half or so ago was basically flatlining. One in four, down at halftime to the Georgia Bulldogs, okay? And so at that moment, you looked at and said, you know what? This program needs a fresh voice. This program needs a fresh change. This program needs to go a different direction. But guys, the energy has never changed. The energy has never changed. We all knew and said coming into this season, hey, if South Carolina doesn't make the NCAA tournament in this season, I think if nothing else, you as the Gamecocks have to take a very hard look at yourself in the mirror and say, where are we going? Where are we headed as a basketball program? Do we like the future under Frank Martin? Do we need a change? Do we have to change something up to get to where we want to go after a decade? Okay. But in no way am I like pulling for South Carolina to lose. I mean, it, it, it's so funny to see the people. I, and I don't know why this is a thing that people think that you can't have 
an opinion on your team. And then if you do have an opinion on your team, you're not allowed to celebrate when your team wins. You know, it's don't celebrate. You were calling for Martin. Again, the energy's not changed, guys. The energy's been the same since before the season started. Okay? Right? Kudos and tip of the cap to everybody for that week last week. Going 3-0. and Granted, two of your three wins were against Vandy and Georgia. Who gives a damn? I don't care who you beat. My biggest takeaway from Saturday night and really the entire week last week, guys, is this. Because this is the only thing I can think of. This team thrives with its back against the wall. I, I don't know what it is. I, I can't believe that South kind of was able to overcome a halftime deficit again on the road. I mean, it's truly mind-blowing and truly baffling that the way you're winning games, that's what really is, is crazy to me, is that you're finding ways in these games to find a spark, get hot, get your shooters going. You're also running into a situation where the opposing team you're playing against, you're playing fantastic defense. And call it for what it is, guys, they're going cold as well. Um, we talked about how important this game was in both teams needed the game. And I thought Texas A&M being on their home floor – you know, I thought that they were going to be the more desperate team, the more hungry team. I thought they were going to take it to you. But, you know, kudos to Frank Martin. Kudos to the entire basketball team for continuing to fight, scratch, and claw and believe in one another and believe in each other. And, you know, I, I will say this. Even at one and four, even at one and four, I, I don't feel like, and if you did, I feel like you were making a mistake. I didn't doubt or think, I should say, that this team was going to, to quit, to just fold. Frank Martin's teams have shown that they will continue to fight, that they're going to be a really tough out. You know, people don't like playing Frank Martin teams, right? So am I surprised the Gamecocks went 3-0? and Slightly, yes. Slightly, yes. But we knew that's what you needed to do. You need to take advantage of two of those three games that were games you should have won. And again, I did not doubt this team would continue to fight and scratch and claw and again, fight for their head coach in his future at the University of South Carolina. Again, I don't know why there's people that take it so personally that don't want to hear about it. If that's what it takes for this team to play well and play with an edge and play with swagger, if they need that us against the world mentality and they need people chirping their head coach, then so be it. I'll lead the charge. That's fine. But as I said when the previous coach of Gamecocks football was here, because, hey, I remember a time, believe it or not, you know, it's fun to, to pick at Will Muschamp right now and hate Will Muschamp, and all the Gamecock nation can't stand the dude. But I remember at one point going out on a limb, saying that Sal kind of needed to change coaches and catching pure hell and vitriol for it. And the response in this situation has not been nearly as negative and toxic because, again, I think people understand for the most part and hear out what I am saying. Getting to the NCAA tournament in this season, that is the goal. That is the expectation. I think that should be the minimum standard for Frank Martin to continue to be employed at the University of South Carolina. But I never doubted and will never doubt that Frank Martin is a quality basketball coach. The dude knows what he's talking about. You don't get to a Final Four if you are a bad basketball coach. The question has simply been, can guys flourish under his coaching style? Can guys flourish in his system? And it takes a specific type of player, specific type of athlete to flourish under Frank Martin. Well, I think the good news for Frank is this. He's found some guys and guys like Eric Stevenson, Mr. Stevie, Mr. Shooter Shoot, 
He's found guys like Eric Stevenson. He's found guys like James Reese. He's found guys like Chico Carter and A.J. Wilson. And, you know, you really got to give credit to what Frank Martin did over the offseason, just completely revamping his basketball team. Does it speak to, and again, I don't want to dive into last year, the COVID year, but does it speak to that guys like A.J. Lawson and, and uh, Justin Manaya and Trey Hannibal, were they not coachable? You know, were they not a fit for Frank Martin and what he's doing? I don't know. Again, that's all speculation. But this team is showing a level of resiliency that even goes beyond my expectations. Again, that's the most shocking thing is how you won that game on Saturday night. Another situation where you're down at half and you ride a huge second-half spark to get the victory. I, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a bit shocking. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's a bit shocking. It, it's wild the way this team is winning games, how they're winning games. You know, you, you wonder how long can you play with fire in the sense of how long can you continue to fall. I think at some point, you know, obviously the schedule toughens up as you get into February, and you're going to have to play better from the jump, no doubt. You're going to have to play better from the jump. But right now, it's working. And it's a lot of fun to watch when it works. You look at the game statistically. I mean, South kind of shot 45% from the field, A&M just 34%. So, again, you played good defense. 47% from three is what you shot. They shot just 20%. So, again, statistically, you, 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 you dominated. You dominated. You limited the turnovers. You weren't great there, but I think you limited them. And you made the free throws down the stretch when you needed them as well. Again, I, I don't know what this week means. It feels good to be good, though, and I'll continue to say that. I don't really give a damn if there's any type of negative reaction. It does feel good to be good. And Gamecock fan, no matter what your opinion, you should celebrate. Winning is fun. The fun is in the winning. The winning will never not be fun. And all we want to do is win. But again, for those who are hearing the sound of my voice saying, oh, you're celebrating a victory. Why are you switching up the energy? The energy's been consistent the entire year. And again, guys, that's why I went on record and said, when I said what I said after the Florida game, I, I, I did not go on record and go on the podcast and say, Gamecocks basketball is doomed with Frank Martin as the head coach. He's got to get out. You know, the longer we keep him employed, the longer we're going down a, a path of mediocrity and, and, and whatever right? Frank Martin's a good basketball coach. He's done a lot of great things here. It's year 10. We got to make the tournament. The energy has never changed. It's not, it's not any ill will, no vitriol at all. And I would love to see nothing more than South going to win the next 10 in a row and get to the postseason. Why not? Let's not look at a crappy start and have that take away from any of the enjoyment and excitement of what's going on right now. Because again, a 3-0 and week. Hey, you got positive momentum out the wazoo right now. Can you parlay it? Can you capitalize on it? Schedule's going to toughen up. February will make or break you, no doubt. No doubt. That is stating the obvious. But February will make or break you. But that was a huge win. I mean, that was a huge, huge win on Saturday. Huge win. And again, like I said, kudos and a tip of the cap to Frank Martin, that staff, those players, everyone for continuing to be resilient. I mean, this team plays with a swagger, plays with an edge, plays the chip on its shoulder. 
And right now, it's working. Again, I don't think you can make a living that way the rest of the year. I don't think you can continue to get down in games. But right now, it's working. And over the last week, it has worked. And what's fun is I think this team's confidence continues to build, continues to get better. And who knows, man? You get a team like that that's just feeling it. You know, they don't know they're supposed to lose. They don't know that what I'm saying or you're saying or the, or the, or the preseason expectations or the national expectations, they don't care. They're going to play their tails off. They're going to fight for their head coach. Again, I never, never thought this team would quit. Never thought this team would quit. I think what we're doing right now is very typical of a Frank Martin team. And hopefully, maybe, just maybe, that'll be enough in about, in about a month and a half or so for us to be looking at this team and projecting where we're going to be going in postseason play. But again, either way, we got a lot of basketball to go, but that was a great win on Saturday night, man. Again, a game that you were the road underdog. You know, Texas A&M was desperate. They absolutely needed that game as well. And, you know, for you to go on the road and get to 500 in SEC play after the start that you had, tip the cap. Again, what does it mean in the grand scheme of things for this season? I don't know. I don't know. Because, again, the schedule does toughen up. You got some great opportunities. I, I don't know what happens the rest of the way, but this last week was one of the most fun weeks of Gamecocks basketball in quite some time. I think we can all agree with that. So, again, huge win. And a guy that has been so much fun to watch, guys, and I think he's actually one of the most underrated scorers in the SEC. I, I'm, I'm going to go on record and say that because what he's done over the last couple of times, and you guys know I like to hand out this award, the Shooter Shoot Award, to different players and switch things up. But when you're playing at the level that James Reese is, bro, you, game got to recognize game. James Reese, again, 20 points, five for nine from the field, three of five from three-point range, and seven for eight from the free throw line. I mean, this dude has been absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, maybe the best pickup by Frank Martin in the transfer portal. And again, very excited to see how his game evolves. But what is next? for South Carolina basketball, right? What's next? I talked about February, of course, today, the last day of January. Tomorrow begins the February slate, and we'll have a full preview of that game on the podcast. You go to Mississippi State in Starkville, get another big road SEC matchup. Mississippi State, sort of one of those middle-of-the-pack SEC teams, sort of like Texas A&M was. Can you take advantage? Then you got huge home games back-to-back -back on Saturday and Tuesday against Tennessee, and Kentucky, followed by road dates at Georgia, at Ole Miss, LSU at home, Mississippi State at home, at Bama. And that rounds out February. So, again, guys, there's a lot of opportunity. You're going to play some good basketball teams, no question. You're going to play some ranked opponents, no doubt, no doubt. But you're sitting four and four, and I'll be honest with you, looking at the schedule, I probably would have taken that. I probably would have taken four and four going into February. I really would have. I mean, you're talking about someone who picked the Gamecocks to finish six and 12. In SEC play. So, you know, you're, 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 you're far on pace to exceed those expectations. But again, great win. It feels good to be good. Don't let anybody tell you different. It feels damn good to be good. And again, guys, all I want is for Frank. I, I, I want to see Frank Martin go on this quote-unquote redemption tour, if you will, and win the next 10 in a row and take this team to the tournament. And guess what? At that point, you know what, Frank Martin? You proved yourself. You proved that you belong. You proved that the future of Gamecocks basketball is best served in your hand. Let's proceed forward. As long as you want to be here, let's go. Again, 
All you can do is call it like you see it. And when you were sitting at one and four and you felt like things were stale, nobody gave a damn about the games. Maybe people are starting to get a little excited again about Gamecocks basketball. Maybe, just maybe. I know a lot of us were tuned in on Saturday night, right? And again, if you beat Mississippi State tomorrow, all of a sudden, that game at CLA against Tennessee, that will be a huge, huge opportunity to sort of put the SEC on high alert and say, you know what? We're for real. We're for real, for real competing. And here's the great thing, too, guys. It's all about momentum. You know what I mean? You, you want to be playing your best basketball going into February, going into March. It's all about positive momentum. And this team, the best thing about them right now is they're playing with confidence. They're playing with swagger. They're playing with an edge. They're playing with a chip on their shoulder. And again, does it have anything to do with what I said? Does it have anything to do with, with fans calling for Frank Martin's job? I have no idea. I have no idea, man. But again, to insinuate that fans shouldn't be able to celebrate and shouldn't be able to enjoy their team getting a victory just because they have an opinion on the the future of the program. And again, guys, I go back to this. When I said what I said about Frank Martin, and I'm not backing off of what I said. I'm not backing off of that at all. Like I told you guys, the energy's been consistent. But I actually said, if you go back and watch the video after the Florida game, barring a major turnaround, barring a, 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 a run in this last third of the season or so. So, I mean, it, it, it's always been, hey, there's still a lot of basketball to be played. Technically, you could certainly make a run and make the tournament, but that's what the goal is right now. That's what it's got to be. That's what the expectation is. So, again, we can talk about it at some other point. There's plenty of games to go, but a great win, man. One that you really, you know, you had to have the Georgia game. You had to have the Vandy game. That Texas A&M game, that, that is a fantastic victory. A quad one win, by the way, on the road. So, kudos to all those involved, man. Truly just gritty, gutsy. And again, that is Frank Martin basketball. That, that, that is Gamecocks basketball under Frank Martin. Playing with heart, playing with competitiveness. And that's the thing that really stands out. Again, I always felt like you had the shooters. Like I told you guys before, like I like this team. I do. It's fun watching Stevie play. It's fun watching James Reese shoot the damn thing. It's fun watching the way that A.J. Wilson has evolved. It, it, it's fun watching, you know, when Wildens Levesque can get it going. Keyshawn Bryant can get it going. You know, you, you, you go down the list of guys that showed up and showed out for you. You know, it, it's fun watching these. Years. You know, Keyshawn with 12, James Reese with 20, Eric Stevenson with 13, Jermaine Kusnard, seeing him come back into his own. That's been huge. Been huge for South Carolina. I'll tell you that, and I think that may be, I don't think it's too bold to say the X factor going the rest of the way. I think if Jermaine Kusnard can continue to play quality basketball the way he's done, I mean, I think you've just seen it, man. When he hasn't been on the floor, we have like a totally different team. Again, I like James Reese. I like Jacoby Wright. I like A.J. Wilson. But I think Jermaine Kusnar just brings a different element, man. A veteran dude. Been through the fire. Been through the SEC grind. So keeping him healthy and keeping him going. But again, guys, tomorrow's game, February the 1st at Mississippi State. A lot on the line this week. Going to begin the gauntlet that is February and Really where your resume is going to be solidified. So, again, excited to see it, but great win on Saturday night. Feels good to be good and enjoy it, Gamecock fans. Again, it hasn't been this much fun to watch South Carolina basketball. I don't care who you beat, who you played after starting one and four and then winning your next three. You really got to appreciate what this team has done over the last week. And, hey, we'll see if they can keep it going. Positive momentum is a beautiful thing. Momentum is a fickle mistress. And once you get a hold of positive momentum, don't let go. 
Keep Uncle Mo on your side, as they say. So we're going to be a lot of fun. Guys, let's move to the football side of things. As Shane Bieber keeps up the great work, uh, adding some preferred walk-on commitments over the weekend, uh, starting with Columbia running back Dante Miller. Miller, a guy that we heard a lot about over the last couple of weeks, a dude that apparently runs like a 4-2-40, uh, was one of the best running backs in the Ivy League. So again, the running back position is crowded. No doubt. And I, and I want to make something clear as well, because I, I made the point on social media. I was like, do we really need to add another running back? In no way was I saying that I don't want to add more quality football players. Hey, the more the merrier, but only two or three are going to carry the rock, most likely. So where does Miller fit in? Could he play special teams? Could he slide out the slot? I have no idea, but hey, you got a guy that runs a 4-2? I'm all game for it. I'm all game for it. Again, Shane Beamer knows much better. Then I, you also add offensive lineman Mac Walters and wide receiver Dante Black and Black, a dude that actually broke Debo Samuel's high school record. So some quality additions as well, man. You know, you, you can always find some diamonds in the rough, some gems, if you will, as PWOs. So we'll see if these guys can be big time contributors for South Carolina and Shane Beamer going in the 2022 season and beyond. Guys, a couple quick news and notes, and then we'll dive into your questions and interview. Uh, first things first, D1Baseball.com. Pick of the Yardcocks to finish fifth in the SEC East. And just really quickly on that, you know, I saw people freaking out on social media. And, and listen, I, I like D1 baseball. You know, we just had Aaron Fit on. Those guys did a fantastic job. Um, one thing, the SEC is extremely competitive. And the preseason rankings, the preseason projections, guys, if you've, as you've seen my predictions, right, as you've seen my predictions, then predictions don't mean a hill of beans. So what does it really matter? I've been watching this team, and again, if you're part of the Big Cock Club, be sure to join today. Uh, we're posting scrimmage tidbits and notes. I got a good feeling about this team, and we've got actually, as we sit now, just 18 days away from opening day. Not next week, but two weeks from now, we will drop our official predictions and projections and projected lineup and record and all that good stuff that Monday the week of opening day. So again, you guys are going to get my full thoughts on what I think of the Yardcocks. I think fifth in the SEC East, I'll call it what it is. I think it's a bit low. I think it's a bit low. I think this team might be being slept on a little bit because of the question marks, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, also, on the basketball side of things, three-star guard Bryce Lindsey committing. So hey, if nothing else, there is momentum for Frank Martin on the recruiting trail. And uh, what I guess the kid's name Gigi Jackson, he's going to be at the game Saturday against Tennessee. So hey, man, pack CLA. I tell you what, if you can get the win against Mississippi State, that should be an electric crowd, an electric atmosphere Saturday at Colonial Life Arena. Also, guys, really quickly, women's basketball, Dawn Staley squad downing the Florida Gators by a final score of 62 to 50, 62 to 50, the women's basketball team taking care of business, ho-hum, no big deal, do your damn thing and talk shit while you do it. This team is fun to watch. I mean, again, man, it's 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 national title or bust. And I know that might sound aggressive. That might sound crazy. But you know what? When you got the type of team that we do, uh, that's what you get. So, all right, guys, let's have any listener questions, and we'll get into this interview. Wilkes seven zero nine says, "Who's going to win the Super Bowl?" Bro, I got to roll with Debo. I got to roll with Debo and the Niners. That game is still going on right now. So, if they end up losing, I guess scratch that, forget it. Or Joey Burrow, man. I mean, I, you know, some legends will be playing in the Super Bowl, no doubt. But uh, how about Debo and the boys getting the job done? Why not? Trent Coker says, "Any chances of Rattler being five? Let's see, being Heisman winner next year." 
Uh, no, no, I don't think so, man. I mean, I'll tell you this. If Rattler's in a Heisman talk, we are going to the SEC championship, bottom line. So, uh, and I don't think, I don't think those expectations are quite realistic. Uh, Grant Hurd 8 says, please tell me sunscreen is a travel essential for you now. Believe it or not, down there in, uh, in Florida, I did not put up sunscreen on one time. So, take it for what it's worth, Grant. Tucker Hamilton, do you truly feel shame you're going to get us to an SEC championship? You know, Tucker, there's a lot of different factors that go into that. And so, I'm not going to guarantee one way or the other that it is or is not going to happen. But, I do feel confident in saying that Shane Beamer is going to leave this program in a much, much, much better place than where he found it. So does that mean an SEC title? Does that mean a national title? I have no idea. But I can tell you one thing. Shane Beamer is going to give it his best shot. Bottom line. I I think Shane Beamer, it's personal to him. You know, we talked about he wants to be here. He wants to be a Gamecock. You can say that over and over again until you're blue in the face. He wants to be here. It's personal. Again, I feel great about the Gamecocks football program moving forward and the heights it can reach under his leadership. Um, Will Knight, 03, what do you think the men's basketball record is going to be down the stretch? Dude, who knows, man? Who knows? You know, I, I, I thought a week and a half or so ago, you, you may not even win another game, right? And now, you know, you sit here four and four, so the opportunity's there, though, man. You know, February's tough. The schedule does get harder, but, you know, who knows? I mean, dude, again, the, the, the greatest thing, the greatest news for Gamecock basketball fans is this. This team is playing with confidence, a swagger, and edge. And, again, it, it's just when, when you get hot and you start – up, guys, we saw it in 2017. I mean, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from that crew, but was that team really a Final Four team? I don't know that they were. You know, they, they showed deficiencies and they showed problems in that season, but – they got hot. They got confident. They couldn't miss. They couldn't lose. So who knows? Maybe you can capture lightning in a bottle in the month of February and throughout the rest of this season as well. And maybe, just maybe, you can prove that outers, including myself, wrong and get to the NCAA tournament. Final question here. Austin, junior score 45, who will be the most improved on baseball this year, on the baseball team? Of the returners, I will say, hmm. Who will be the most improved? I think Braylon Wimmer is going to blow up, dude. I think he's going to have a massive year for us this year. You know, a guy that went 11, 11 and 31 last year, home run RBIs, if you will. I, I could see him being a 15-plus home run kind of guy. Needs to cut down the strikeouts. We can do that, man. I think he's an all-American caliber talent. Uh, as far as the, the new guys, the newcomers, you know, th- there's a lot of dudes I'm excited about. Brant Belt, Kevin Madden, Thad Ector in the outfield. Uh, some really quality pieces. And again, we'll break that down more in its entirety as we get closer to opening day, but really excited about this Yard Cox baseball team. And I'm telling you, I think we're being slept on just a little bit. So we'll see again. A lot more to come the week of opening day. And once we dive into opening day and get into the baseball season and all that good stuff, going to be a ton of fun. Guys, this has been a blast as well. Hope you're having, again, a fantastic Monday. Great start to your week, but don't go anywhere. It's not over yet. Former Game Cox fullback Jacob August joined me for a conversation way back in 2019. We talked about his career playing for Steve Spurrier, uh, Will Muschamp, all that good stuff. So, again, guys, sit back, relax, enjoy, enjoy the interview. And, again, appreciate you all tuning in. Feels so good to be back in the studio getting after it podcast daily crow all the content rolling this week you guys already know the drill again guys enjoy the rest of your monday and enjoy this conversation with former gamecocks fullback jacob august 
All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 2014 and 2018. He amassed 23 catches, 239 yards, and two touchdowns over his South Carolina career. Was also named three-time SEC Academic Honor Roll, Burlesworth Trophy nominee in 2018, an award that is given to the most outstanding college football player who began his career as a walk-on. Uh, for a while, he also sported one of the best mustaches in USC history. I'm very happy to bring on to the show former Gamecocks tight end, Jacob August. Jacob, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, obviously, I had to throw it in there about the, about the mustache because I'll be honest, one of the first <laughs> things when I think about you last season was the mustache you had. Before we get into everything else, what's the story behind the, uh, the choice of facial hair last year? Just kind of a random thing or uh, something you had going? Yeah, it was pretty random. Uh, my dad had a mustache for like 20 years, so he, um, I grew up looking at him with one, and he just always looked so professional, so <laughs> I thought that I would give it a shot, and it ended up working pretty well because it started during camp, and I didn't, I stayed at the um, facility, so I didn't even have a, I didn't have a chance to, to shave or anything, so by the time camp was over, it was already pretty much already in there, so I just kind of kept it going the rest of the season, and it ended up being a lot more burly than I anticipated. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that's, that's what I was saying. It was very, very recognizable. There's no doubt about that. But uh, <laughs> let's go back to the beginning, Jacob, for you, because it's kind of interesting. You're a local kid, obviously went to Carl Newman High School. Uh, what I thought was interesting, something I didn't know about you, is that out of high school you were offered by South Carolina and Georgia as a punter. Um, for you that's specifically, because right. I know you went, you went to JUCO, and I want to talk about with you a little bit life at JUCO, but – for you, growing up in Columbia, I mean, was South Carolina always sort of that dream school for you? I mean, was there ever any other school on the radar for you as far as where you wanted to play college football? Not really. Um, I, I mean, we've had season tickets since I was two years old. I ended up I ended up going to a lot of games growing up. Um, Ryan Brewer was always my favorite. And uh, actually, when I was going through the process, he called me. And once he called me, it was a wrap. You know, when I, when you have your hero, like your hero growing up call you and give you advice, you kind of just listen to him. Um, after, after I actually didn't go to JUCO, I went to a prep school. So I just reclassified. And after that, I was committed to Penn State as a preferred walk-on as well. But um, that was that was a short thing. South Carolina always was always home to me. It was it was always in my heart, and uh, it was really one of the best decisions I've ever made. No doubt. So I apologize. You went to prep school, which is Fork Union Military Academy. Just kind of talk about That's right. uh, what was that like for you? And I guess what I read up on you is that you went there as a multi-position guy, obviously, again, punter, tight end, really all over the field. I mean, when did you make that decision to play the tight end position? That's what you were going to pursue. Um, yeah, well, like you said, I started as a punter. Um, I went to a really small Catholic school in Columbia, and uh, not a lot of kids get recruited uh, uh, from where I went to school and uh, I thought that punting would have been the top thing for me so I started punting and it actually opened a lot of doors for me when I uh, when I got that preferred walk on to Georgia I was going to be a punter and then I was going to transition into tight end and kind of grow from there but um, it was really when I when I went to the um, to the trial for Fork Union um, I went there I did punting and tight end but I just they just saw me and they were just like, you have, you have the perfect body for a tight end. Yeah, I think you should give it a shot. And I, and I mean, here I am now, like, I'm, I'm really glad I did that. No, doubt. did you ever give any of the, uh, the special teamers, or the punters on a, on your team, any of your teammates kind of crap thinking you could steal their job or. I, I mean, we have Joseph Charlton and Michael Allman. Those are two really good punters. Um, I'd like to say if they weren't there, I would give them a run for their money, <laughs> but uh <laughs> 
they, uh, it was always it was always their their job for the taking. Um, no one really knew I was a punter uh, my freshman year until we were doing a scout team period, and the defense needed a look, and they just threw me back there for a for a fourth down, and I ended up punting like 65 yards. And uh, at the Rob, it was Joe Rob was a special coach. He came to the side, he pulled me over to the side, and was like, "Have you ever thought about punting here again?" I was like, I mean, "I'll do whatever you want me to do." And I ended up giving it a short stint freshman and sophomore year, but um, that was that was very short lived. For sure. So I want to talk about, you know, Jacob, obviously you played for, you're one of the guys who went through the, uh, the coaching change in 2015, if you will, but you played for the legendary Hall of Famer, Steve Spurrier, obviously everything he did at South Carolina. Just talk about, you get on campus um, in 2014. Talk about your first interactions with Steve Spurrier and just how funny is it that he, he nicknamed you Dan August after some, I forget the TV show or whatever that he was familiar with. Um, so he, you know, you know, Spurrier. He was, he was really, uh, he really liked giving players names because I, I think um, he had trouble remembering them um, when he got um, later in his career because he had so many players. Um, and he looked at me, and he, I made a, I made a nice play. He's like, ah, is that Dan August? And I really like that player. And everyone's like, who's Dan August? And, <laughs> and we ended up looking up, and he told us that when, when he was coaching in the what was the USFL for the Bandits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Burt Reynolds was a part owner of the team, and when he was when he was there, he was also filming for a show called uh, Dan August. It was a um, it was a detective show. I think it was on ABC, or I don't even remember where it was on. But uh, it, I guess I guess him being with Burt Reynolds that time gave him that uh, trigger to remember Dan August. And he looked at me and was like, "Dan August, I like that name. I think I'm going to call you Dan." And since then, it kind of stuck. <laughs> That's awesome. So, like, like I mentioned, Jacob, you came to USC as a walk-on. Uh, you redshirted in 2014. I want to ask you, from someone that's done it, how much different, if at all, is life for a walk-on versus a scholarship guy, if you will? Um, I mean, it's different. Um, you, you definitely, you definitely have to earn your keep a lot more when you're a walk-on. Um, the recruited guys, they pretty much know who they are. The coaches know who you are when you come in as and. But as far as the walk-ons, it's kind of um, you got to you got to earn your stripes. Um, you got to do a lot of the dirty work. Um, you might not get a lot of the attention in the beginning that the scholarship players get, but that's just part of the challenge. You know, you gotta you gotta rise above that and uh, make your make your name known. Um, I think that uh, being a walk-on was a really good thing that happened to me because it made me appreciate the process a lot more. So uh, I really have no complaints in terms of being a walk-on. For sure. So I want to jump ahead, Jacob. 2015, uh, your first year on the field playing uh, the UCF game. You record your first touchdown in Garnet and Black. Talk about what is going through your mind and I guess just how awesome it was because I actually watched the play before we came on live and I forgot just how, how much you lost your mind basically when you scored that touchdown. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure a lot of emotions were running through you. I mean, just talk about, again, the emotions and how awesome it was knowing you just scored for your hometown team, the team you grew up watching. Man, what an what an incredible experience! Um, one thing I remember about that was when I scored, I felt like I was in the movie Gladiator when uh, everyone in the Coliseum was staring out at you and you scored, scored my touchdown, and put my hands up. Uh, what happened was we ran, we that was one of uh, Spurrier's marquee plays. It was a it was a bootleg play action, and uh, usually goes with Darrell, but Darrell had about seven or eight uh, snaps before that, and he was getting really tired. So he said, "You got it, Dan." And he looked at me, and I was like, "Oh man, this is coming to me." So I put my hand down. I ran. I ran the over ball, and it was it was right there. It was it was pretty pretty awesome. And uh, I think the best part about it was 
how excited the teammates, my teammates were uh, with that, though, because they knew how much it meant to me. They knew how big of a Gamecock fan I was. So that was really special for me as well. No doubt. That's awesome. So the 2015 season, obviously, Jacob, was a very, very interesting one. Um, I'll just jump straight into it. Steve Spurrier, you know, resigns about three-quarters of the way, midway through the season, whatever. You know, what was your reaction to it? Because, again, as a guy that was a huge fan, season tickets, you saw what Steve Spurrier did and built at South Carolina, and then you're playing for him. And I'm sure this is just like a whirlwind of emotion. Again, Spurrier out of nowhere. We, You know, like I said, I've talked to Perry Orth and Michael Skarnecchia, Bryce Nolan, was a couple other guys about what their feelings were if they saw it coming. I mean, what was your reaction? How shocked were you, if at all? Was it something you thought would happen? I mean, what was – just, just kind of walk me through what's going through your mind when you hear the news that Steve Spurrier is resigning. Well, um, I, as players, we really had no idea. Um, I remember we were uh, we were pre- preparing for Vandy, and he brought us to the side after I think it was a Tuesday or Wednesday practice, and he said, "Don't worry about what you uh, what you guys are hearing. We got to stay together. Um, let's just worry about Vandy. Prepare that way, uh, with or without me. You guys, you guys need to do the right thing and uh, prepare for this game." And, I know a lot of us looked around and we were like kind of dumbfounded at what he said because some of us realized that he was retiring and and some of us didn't. Um, I I think it was kind of tough on the team because I, we, we, we kind of felt like we failed him in a way. Um, You never want to see a legendary coach leave halfway through the year. Um, But, you know, that's just the way it is. He felt like it was time for him to go. Um, You know, we all wish him nothing but the best. I'm sure he's having a great time in Florida. Um, I mean, He's, he's someone that I have looked up to my whole life, and uh, I just really appreciate what he did for us during the time he was there. Would, do you think there were any – I mean, I guess it doesn't sound like with you, but do you think there were any, like, bitter feelings from some of the guys on the team, just the kind of the way things went? Because you know, I know fans had their own reactions. I know a lot of fans were torn either way, whether they were okay with it or upset with it or how they felt. And some people still, the way they feel about Steve Spurrier and what he did. I mean, were there players? What was the energy like in the locker room as far as when that happened towards Coach? Um, I think some players were just – they were confused and they just felt misunderstood. Um, I mean, it's tough because when you're you're getting recruited as a a player, coaches come into your your home, to your family, and they tell you that that your kid is going to be safe with this person. Um, so a lot of players, they expected to have four or five years with this guy, with this coach and Coach Spurrier. And when he leaves in a year and a half later, um, it, it does a lot to the families of the kids as well, because there's a lot of trust that gets put into being a, a, a college football player in terms of uh, allowing your family to trust the, the coach that you have. So um, I think a little I think a few players were a little disgruntled by it, but um, it's football, man. I mean, we, when he retired, we had a game in three days. It was kind of just about us putting our heads down and we're focusing on the next game and kind of getting it out and uh, not trying to worry about it. Uh, obviously, Jacob, you know, the 2015 season didn't go the way people wanted. But how would you, <clears throat> after the Spurrier resignation, you know, someone that I think doesn't get quite talked about enough is Sean Elliott. How would you grade the job that he did for you guys and uh, the place that he left South Carolina in for Will Muschamp to kind of pick up from? I think he did a fantastic job. Um, uh, a lot of, a lot of us, a lot of players, they really look up to Coach Elliott. He's very, um, he's a very energetic guy. Um, he knows what he's doing. He cares about the players so much. He cares about everyone that, that, uh, that he that he coaches himself. And um, you can see that in his coaching techniques. Um, I think that he did a really good job weathering weathering the storm in a way. Um, 
And he was another guy that uh, helped us not worry about what was going on with Spurrier, but helped us worry about what the, what the um, objective was in the next week. For sure. So you, Jacob, obviously all the players really, but you guys are sitting there after the 2015 season. South Carolina is in the middle of a coaching search. You have no idea who your head coach is going to be. Um, the Gamecocks land on Will Muschamp. Uh, j- just talk about sort of what that first meeting was like and when did you know things were about to be a lot different under Coach Muschamp than they were under Coach Furrier? Uh, I would probably say that first meeting he had with us, he kind of set the tone. He let us know that uh, the stuff we were getting away with beforehand isn't, wasn't going to happen. Um, I think I thought Muschamp was a, was a perfect hire. I still think he is. Um, I think what he what he's really good at is uh, setting discipline in his players and um, and showing the right technique in terms of on and off the field. Um, I just think that Muschamp, um, I thought he was I thought he was a perfect hire. Um, I just think that uh, we you know my, Coach Spurrier was he was he was a he was a football mind. He he always knew what was going on to play ahead. And Muschamp is like that too. But Muschamp also takes it to the next level in terms of having your stuff done on and off the field. Because if it's done off the field, then you can, you can focus on things on the field, only on the field. You don't have to worry about outside noise. Um, so I think that's what uh, Muschamp really brings to the table, and that's what he's really good at. No doubt. So, Jacob, I want to jump into his first season. 2016, obviously, I know Gamecock fans were very eager, excited. A new era of South Carolina football begins. It, it gets off to a rocky start. You guys are 2-4 and four overall. Um, going into a bye week, uh, Will Muschamp and, and his coaching staff decide to take the red shirt off of a true freshman, Jake Bentley, a guy who we heard the, 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 uh, the, the label so many times was supposed to be still be in high school. I feel like they're still saying that about him for whatever reason. But uh, <laughs> just kind of talk about what type of resurgence and new energy did that bring to the football team? Because obviously you guys finish out the year four and two, make a bowl game. Um, and it really seemed like it turned the team around when they handed the keys over to Jake Bentley. Yeah, I mean, what a spark he was. Um, I think I think Jake being right out of high school or maybe supposing supposed to be in high school really helped him because he didn't really know what to expect, so he just got an opportunity to react during the game and can just kind of be himself. Um, I thought that was uh, that was really refreshing, um, and and a lot of a lot of the guys were, reacted the right way as well. Um, they saw what he was bringing to the table, and they. They wanted to match that, and that kind of gave us the resurgence and energy we needed to finish out the season. What was your relationship like with Jake Bentley while you were at South Carolina? I'm just just curious because obviously, uh, you know, Bentley going into his final season this year in 2019 has got a chance to set a bunch of records at South Carolina. But what specifically with you and Jake was? Uh, would you say your relationship was like with him? Real good friends. Um, we, I mean, we would we would do things. You know, we would go to spring break together. Um, we would. We spend the weekend with each other with a bunch of friends. Um, I would say that we were we were really close friends, um, you know. But in terms of on the football field, uh, a lot of the position guys stay with position guys because meetings you're with your position and not much else. So I was I was a lot closer with uh, with the tight ends as a whole. Hayden, Jake, Kyle, or not Jake, Hayden, Kyle, uh, Evan, KC, Will, Kiel, all those guys. They were they were um, they really helped me get through. Um, my season with uh, with a good amount of friends, but uh, Jake, such a good guy. Um, you can see that he he cares so much about about his teammates, about his family, about his his parents, about his brothers, about all of us. And um, there's just not much more that needs to be said about him, just because of how good of a guy he is. 
So, Jacob, I want to jump ahead to a very positive and awesome personal note for you. Spring of 2017, uh, you're officially placed on scholarship. Just, just kind of try to explain and walk me through <laughs> what that meant to you on a personal note, because I'm sure it had to really hit home uh, and be something really special for you. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be honest with you. I was, I, you know, that was one of my goals. But it was on a um, it was one of the meetings when we came back after the bowl game, and uh, it was the first meeting back. And uh, Coach Muschamp got on stage and said, he said we have an issue with one of our players. If uh, if you could come up, uh, if Jacob Boggs, you can come up. We need to discuss something. And I got up there really scared, really nervous. I was like, oh no, what did I do? <laughs> And uh, he ended up offering me a scholarship. And the first thing I did was, you know, shake Mushroom's hand. I got a bunch of uh, celebratory applause by my uh, teammates, a lot of hugs. And then I called my dad and my mom. And we, we just, you know, we just kind of sat there for a second and really appreciated, you know, the process of what, what happened in these last few years. And, you know, where I started as a, as a little kid going to USC games and, you know, I ended up getting a scholarship at my dream school. Um, just incredible. No doubt. So I want to switch gears, Jacob, with you just a little bit from sort of on the field to off the field. One thing I want to ask you about, because I'm curious, is, you know, in the day and age we are now, the social media aspect of things is very, very interesting about how certain guys handle it, how teams handle it. You know, some have a no Twitter policy or some have some crazy social media policy. I think, what is it, Cliff Kingsbury with the Cardinals now is doing like a foam, foam breaks and stuff like that. But <laughs> yep. my question more centers around for you. Obviously, college football, there is a lot of emotion. And people say a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Heck, I mean, I, I've said things before. I mean, people just have a lot of strong opinions and say things. But I tell people that the great and terrible thing about social media is everyone has a voice, even those that maybe shouldn't mm -hmm. have a voice, if you will. How did you as a player and other guys handle it? Because I know people can say, well, you stay away from the press clippings or stay away from your phone. or But, like, there's really no way to get away from it. I mean, how did you and how would you say other guys on your team were able to handle it in a world that is just seems like controlled by social media at this point? Um, I, it's, it's, it's not impossible to keep it away from you, but uh, it's really hard. Um, I, I found the only way that I could – you know, kind of get over that and not worry about what other people were saying was I would just delete social media for an extended period of time because as great as social media can be, it can also be very detrimental. Um, I mean, you, you can just pick any player on the roster, type in their name, and a lot of the stuff that you see will be really good and it'll be praised by the player, but then there's always those those outliers that, that, that have their uh, have their own opinion about what happened and uh, aren't afraid to speak it. Um, I think another challenge that's gonna, that's kind of starting to arise is social media in the younger kids changed so much. I mean, mm. my 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 generation, um, a lot of the players, we we were we were kind of raised without it, and then it was brought upon us when we got to high school and college. So we kind of got to be without it growing up. A lot of these other kids now, with they're younger, they were raised with this with the technology that you know they that's all they know. You know, they all they know is Instagram, social, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, like that's their life. So, so they're, they're, they're very integrated into the whole software thing and the whole social media thing. And um, I think it's going to be a challenge, but uh, for a lot of players that have issues, I always recommend, you know, just deleting your social media for, for a few weeks. If you're, if you're struggling with it or turn off your notifications because the notifications, those are, those are, those are what really get you. You turn on your phone. And the first thing you see is someone commented on, on a post that you put up and, you know, just instinctively, that's all you want to see. You just want to see what they said about you. 
it's just a natural thing. So um, just, you know, having, having a coach have the right balance with that is really important and um, it could be very beneficial if they do that. Yeah, I was going to say, Jacob, you know, again, it's curious to get your insight because as a guy like you were recruited and you had an announcement, you committed. I mean, it's it really is crazy. Like you're saying, when you talk about the kids now that are coming up, like I, I don't I mean, I personally couldn't imagine being in like middle school or even early high school and having the access to social media that kids have. Cause I mean, I'm sure right. you see the impact it's having on like the, the recruiting process. Like it's like a mm-hmm. full out production with kids announcing like their top 15 and their top 10 and they're, they're just going like, it's the, like, it's just so crazy. I mean, how, what's, what it's evolved into, because I mean, I'm sure you remember when it used to just be like, you just called the coach, you let him know you were going there and, you committed and that was emails. it yeah and now and yeah, now it's like turned this it. huge thing where it's just like it it seems almost more guys like and I think Deion Sanders put up a video about this where guys are chasing offers more than they're chasing maybe wins or contributing to their team mm-hmm. and it's, it's it, it is very interesting like you're saying like how guys are going to handle it very interesting and um yeah, people are more worried about putting uh, something important in their Instagram bio than actually finding the right school for them <laughs> and <laughs> that uh that could be a problem but uh, you know there's a lot of problems with it but there's also it, it helps kids so much with exposure no doubt. you know yeah I, I i mean i'm sure if i had if i was in uh, this kind of era with social media the the school thing wouldn't wouldn't necessarily mattered as much um because you go to a certain amount of camps you play good that you're all over everything so i mm-hmm. it really does help a lot you just got to learn how to manage it no doubt. No, yeah, I just definitely want to get your insight. I think that's interesting. So back mm-hmm. to the field, Jacob. One thing I want to get your opinion on, um, the 2017 season obviously went really well for you guys. You guys win the Outback Bowl, get to nine wins. I think something that South Carolina has only done seven times in its history. So a really mm-hmm. good year. Um, but at the end of that year, Kurt Roper was relieved of his duties as offensive coordinator. As an offensive guy, I want to ask you, because I know there were a lot of a lot of criticism for him. I know, I mean, even me on our, on our show, I had my criticisms of him. But what was your take on that? I mean, did you feel like that needed to happen? Because I'm sure you'd speak very highly of Brian McClendon. And the offense really did improve a year ago. And if you do feel like it needed to happen, what do you think were some of the shortcomings that without obviously without obviously putting down Kurt Roper and his abilities? Because that man, he knows more football than he, he he's crapped out more mm-hmm. football than I know. So I mean. Did you feel like that was a change that needed to happen for the Gamecocks offense, I guess, moving forward? Um, I mean, you can – a lot of the media likes to put the, a lot of blame on Coach Roper, but at the end of the day, the players didn't get uh, what needed to be done done. I mean, he had – we always thought that he had a really good game plan, but it just – for some reason, it just wouldn't get uh, executed during the game. and. I mean, Coach Roper was frustrated, but as players, we're frustrated as well too. Um, at the end of the day, he just kind of puts us in the right place. When the when the whistle blows, it's it's on the players. It's it's up to us to get in the end zone. So um, it was a kind of a, a, like a little bit like the Spurrier thing. You know, we were just kind of we were disappointed in ourselves because because Coach Roper he puts his family, he puts his kids, he puts his time, and at the end of the day, he can do anything he wants, but it's dependent on us to actually execute it. So um, we, we kind of felt bad. Um, you know, we were really excited to get Coach McClendon because he's an, obviously he's an awesome offensive coordinator. He's such a brilliant mind. He's creative. Um, he's, he, was just, he was just really good for the job. But um, it wasn't necessarily us putting fault on Roper. It was us putting fault on ourselves. Gotcha. And, and piggybacking off that, you just lightly touched on it. But, I mean, how would you grade the job that McClendon did in year one? Because Muschamp was very – 
very adamant to bring up the stats that, you know, the SEC media days that happened about a month ago about the improvement, a touchdown, a game, I think a hundred yards more a game. Um, and I think it just seemed, I don't know. It just seemed like there was more productivity overall. I mean, how would you grade the job that Brian McClendon did in, in year one? And what do you think Gamecock fans can expect moving forward with him? I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Like you said, um, our, our offense got so much better. Um, one thing that, uh, Coach, Coach McClendon and Coach Muschamp and all the offensive staff that did really well was they took what Roper was doing and they didn't just completely get a new playbook. They, they took the playbook that he has and they, and they, they put a twist on it. They, they, they saw improvements that they thought would help and they put it into the playbook so that it wasn't, it wasn't overbearing on us in terms of learning the plays and in the, in the film room. We didn't have to spend another year focusing on new plays. We could spend another year. We could spend the year leading up to the season you know, watching the other team and film and focusing on the right things. So um, I think that that can't be understated um, that uh, that Coach McClendon kind of did it that way. Um, and like I said, the stats show, I mean, he, he did such a good job getting the right players in the right spots. And uh, I think that this next year coming up is going to be even better because, I mean, this is the first year Muschamp has all of his guys that he recruited on the field except for a few fifth years. So, uh, you know, what, what Muschamp envisioned when he first got here, what he wanted to do with the team is going to be, you know, in full effect just because it's all of his guys now. And, you know, that's going to be another comfort zone that um, is better for Muschamp. No doubt. So, Jacob, I want to talk about that Outback Bowl win over Michigan. Obviously, a, a crazy game. You guys are able to come back in the second half and, and get the win. And, you know, I feel like it was a huge, huge moment for the program, especially a huge moment for the program under Will Muschamp. Um, just kind of talk mm -hmm. about that game a little bit and just sort of what that meant to you guys because you could certainly see the emotion, I guess, sort of pouring out on the field. And it was no doubt, like I mentioned, a, a huge win for the program moving forward. Yeah, it was, that was such an exciting week. Um, you know, Michigan, they had their, they had their prominence. You know, it's, it's Michigan football. You know, they have a, they have a long history, and we knew that um, if, if we knocked them in the mouth, you know, if, uh, if we did the right things that we would – we would come out victorious and uh, that, that was the most passionate bowl game that I, that I played in, you know, that our team went through. Um, we really wanted that win. Um, and man, dude, it was just, it was just incredible. Um, you know, that was, that was probably, that was the biggest bowl game I played in. And a lot of the seniors there, they, they knew that uh, they wanted to leave on the, on the right, on the right note, you know, Sky, Dante, Hayden, all those guys, um, they really, really took it to us and uh, challenged us to, you know, be better um, for that game because it's – people don't realize that it, it, it could be really easy to, to get your head out of a game for a bowl game. It's, it's, you know, you have a month off, you just played 12 games, your body's beat up. So it's, it's, it's mentally challenging to, to have the right mindset. But uh, for that Outback Bowl, man, it just all came together and it was such an incredible experience. How close were you to whooping somebody's ass at the bowling alley? <laughs> I was too far away, man. Uh, I, if you ask, if you ask a few other guys on my team, they would have probably given you a different answer. But uh, I was, we were, I was more focused on the game more than the bowling alley. <laughs> it's so funny. Something like that can turn into like two teams jawing between each other because of bowling. It's just yeah, you gotta love and that, it. And that made the bowl game so much better too. I mean, <laughs> that 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 really helped with the passion thing too. I mean, we really wanted to take it to them, and it was a great feeling when we did. Because they, they talk a lot. They definitely talk a lot. For sure. So I want to talk about a guy that was instrumental in that 2017 team and is now having, you know, so far is off to a great start in the NFL, and that's T Hayden Hurst. 
Um, obviously a guy you mentioned before that you're very close with, you know, a guy that you played behind. What did you learn uh, from Hayden Hurst? What would you say is like the most important thing or the biggest thing you learned from Hayden with, with your time spent with him? Work ethic. Um, Hayden, Hayden's work ethic is uh, second to none. Um, any, anytime you're, in, you're at the football facility, he's there. I mean, either working out, watching film, doing recovery. I mean, that, that really helped us. Uh, he, really, he really led by example in terms of uh, the amount of time we need to spend in, uh, in that environment. You know, he came from a professional environment from the, from the Philly, so he kind of got a good understanding of how, how professionals should conduct themselves, you know, in, in terms of preparation um, and game time uh, achievements. Um, but he's also just a great guy. I mean, he really cares about his teammates just like, uh, just like a lot of the other guys. But uh, he really wanted to win, too. I think that he had uh, a little bit of chip on his shoulder because he was set out to be this, this major league baseball player, and that didn't work. So uh, I think that chip on his shoulder helped him a lot out as well. How awesome is it to see him doing what he's doing in the NFL? I, I could be wrong, but I think I saw on social media, I think maybe last year you went and saw him at a game in Baltimore. I mean, it's got to be awesome seeing a guy who's right. a good buddy like that uh, balling out at the NFL level. Yeah, man, that was, that's awesome. I mean, that's it's like a dream, man, uh, for him to, you know, play in the NFL. And uh, it's so cool just, what, you know, being able to support him like that. Um, you know, he had uh, he got hurt early in the year, so you know, it kind of set him back a little bit. But uh, he had he ended up having a pretty good year, and uh, this year, you know, with that work ethic he has, he he he's putting in that extra work this off season to be prepared for this season to you know have a breakout year potentially. No doubt, yeah, I fully expect it for sure. I, I want to move into Jacob. Obviously, the 2018 season. There was a ton of hype around you guys coming into the season, a ton of hype, especially around that South Carolina Georgia game. I mean, that's always one that you don't have to explain to anyone what that means to anybody at both programs. But, mm -hmm. you know, with all the hype of the season, you guys were coming off of the Outback Bowl win, Tory Gurley guaranteeing a victory on SCC Network, um, you know, and then that game not going the way that we had all planned it to. I mean, do you feel like there was too much hype around that? And do you think that affected you guys at all in any, any sort of way? Um, I, I don't ever think there's too much hype. I just think, uh, what matters is how we handle it. Um, at, at the end of the day, when you go back and look at the film, um, we were, you know, coaches always told us that a game is one in six plays. There's going to be six plays that determine whether or not a team wins or lose. And I just think we got on the bad end of the six plays. Um, you know, looking back at it, you know, you're, you're harsher than, than, than you are during the process, but looking back at it, I felt like, you know, our senior class could have done a lot more to, uh, to you know, kind of weather the storm. But uh, at the end of the day, it just ends up what happens in those, you know, six plays. Um, we, we just didn't get it done. Um, I mean, we still had a, a decent year. Um, you know, seven six isn't anything to boast about. But, um, you know, when I when we first came in, I mean, my first year was a three nine year. I ended up going nine and four, seven and six. It's, um, we're not we're not we're not too proud about it, but uh, it's it's something that when you look back at it, you, you I mean you can be proud of you know knowing that you you left the place better than than when you came. No, no, yeah, definitely, and you can see the progress in the program. I, I'm curious to go back to one thing you said though about uh, you know the seniors could have done a better job, I guess, weathering the storm. I mean, did you feel like there were guys? I'm not saying the whole team, but I mean, do you feel like there were guys on the team that really let that loss linger? Because again, there was so much stock put in that game in the preseason. 
Um, I think that uh, I think that the Georgia game just kind of, you know, kind of hit us in the chin and you know made us sit back and kind of reassess what um, what we needed to do to kind of get our uh, get our get on our our feet the right way. Um, I don't know, man. It was just uh, it was just it was it was it was tough after that Georgia game to say the least. And uh, you know, I I, I do think that um, we responded well, though. You know, we came back to practice the next week and we had a, we had a really good few practices. Um, I don't remember who we played the week after, but um, um, after that game, you know, we kind of just uh, swallowed it and moved on to the next. For sure. So I, I don't obviously don't want to be negative here, Jacob. That's not my intention of asking this question. But you're a guy that's been there for all five of the games, and I want to ask you, how do you explain the streak against Kentucky? Because that is one, obviously, that all South Carolina fans just scratch their head and just simply cannot believe. Um, and as a guy, it's interesting. You know, we had, like I said, I talked to Michael Skarnecchia before, and his answer was simply that we at South Carolina hasn't been physical enough. And as a guy like you that plays on the line, I'm just curious to get your thoughts. Do you think it's just – can you just simply pinpoint it on that? I mean, has Kentucky been so much better than anybody gives them credit for? I mean, how would you explain the streak against Kentucky right now? Um, I think the last two years they were a lot better than people anticipated. Um, I think the first three years um, we kind of just let it – we kind of just let it slip uh, through our through the cracks. Um, I <laughs> I mean, I we really I can't pinpoint it. Um, the itch, it's just it was just weird. And I mean, going into the game, you know, we had especially you know the game when it was like uh, I believe it was the second or third game of the season. You know, Debo's having that Heisman candidate kind mm-hmm. of type year. Um, you know, we had so much momentum going into that game, and then I, I guess they just outplayed us. We, we weren't physical enough. Um, they they came to play, and we we didn't. Um, again, like that's that's. Uh, that's something that, you know, we kind of had to live with, um, you know, going into every year, we, especially my last two years, we would even circle Kentucky. So we got like, let's beat this team. Like, like we got to stop messing around with them. Like, and then it just didn't happen. I mean, I don't even know. It was just very frustrating. I want to ask you, cause obviously that's, it's going to be a huge storyline going into this year. Gamecocks getting the Wildcats at home at Williams Bryce. I mean, do you think, I mean, does it, is it something that, becomes mental I mean because as, as an athlete I know that like eventually the stuff starts to creep in your head and like you said you guys circle the Kentucky game I mean it, like you're thinking to this year's game I mean is it something that's mental where it's like you're almost expecting something bad to happen or I mean what do you think what do you let me ask you this what do you think this year's team has to do to put that streak to an end well I mean you said it it, it is mental but at the end of the day what the difference between a champion and, and an average Joe is learning to control those emotions, you know, not letting the mental, the mental part getting seeping into your head and letting it affect your, you know, your train of thought. Um, at the end of the day, man, when the, when the whistle starts in Williams Bryce, when we play the Wildcats, it's going to be zero, zero, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a great game. You know, you know, the Williams Bryce is going to be so electric. Everyone's going to be hype. You know, the players are going to be ready to play. Um, we're just going to have to score more points. I mean, I know it's, I know that sounds simple, but at the end of the day, we just haven't scored more points, and um, and that goes with game planning, preparation, you know, on the field during during the play, you know, execution. Um, but you know, th- th- this is a new year, and uh, we're looking we're looking forward to the Wildcats. No doubt. So I also want to get your opinion on something that happened in the 2018 season, and that was kind of the back and forth between 
Um, obviously, Jake Bentley goes down with an injury against Kentucky. Um, Michael Skarnecki against the start gets the start against Missouri. Plays extremely well. Obviously, has an all-time game for South Carolina. Parker White hits the game-winning field goal. Everyone is happy. The conversation that ensued after that game was madness on local radio stations, social media about who should start at quarterback, and, and it just it seemed like it just went nuts when you look back at it. I mean, what were your thoughts on it? as a bystander, if you will, because obviously you're, you're friends with both guys, close with both guys, but it's at the mm-hmm. end of the day, who's going to play and win football games. I mean, what were your thoughts on it sort of as a bystander, if you will, of the kind of the quarterback situation and kind of what unfolded? Um, well, you know, during the season, there's so much we got to think about where the players aren't going to make the decision on who's starting between Jake and, and Scar. Um, you know, I, I was with Scar for five years. I was in college with Jake for four years, three, three years. So I was, I, I'm really close with both of them. You know, um, we, we all knew that we had full confidence in both of those guys. Um, you know, I, to say that wasn't crazy would be a lie. Um, a, a lot of people said Scar should play. A lot of people, you know, wanted Jake to play. But us as players, we really didn't care who was in. I mean, we had, we had so much faith in both of the guys that uh, whoever was in, you know, we, we had full confidence that they were going to be able to execute and lead the team. For sure. So I, I want to jump ahead, Jacob, to the uh, the Florida game. Obviously, did not turn out the guy the way you guys wanted, but you get your second career touchdown actually to start the game on a two yard reception. Just kind of walk me through. Talk about that play. I mean, was it designed to go to you specifically? And I guess sort of your emotions scoring that game, and also in what was a crazy, crazy game down in the swamp. <laughs> well, uh, we actually we we had run that play uh, for for two years now in that same set with uh, three tight ends, you know, two tight ends and a fullback. And uh, we were, we would run the same power play. Um, we'd run a power play in his own play, but they were all pretty much focused on an inside zone run. And the other teams had seen that. So they were really anticipating the, the you know, the one yard, like uh, push, push the, uh, push running back in over the line. And uh, so when they called hike, me and Kyle, we had stepped down in the, in the offensive line did a really good job of, uh, faking play action and the the linebackers bit going into the game we had thought that Kyle was going to be the one open just because he was going in the flat and I was going to go to the back back pylon and we were going to high low the one defender that was in between us and so we anticipated Kyle would get it but the the fake I guess worked so well that everyone ended up biting and um I was just me and Kyle were just both wide open in the back in the end zone and uh Jake, I guess just picked me. Thank God he did. <laughs> you know, Kyle has Kyle, Kyle got his touchdown the next drive, so you know we were even. We were both happy, but uh, it was just it was it was awesome. Um, that you know th- that was that that play was all based on what we had done prior to to the games. You know, we we had run that play so many times before that it was just time to you know implement that play, and it, and it ended up working really well. Good day for the tight ends, no doubt. Uh, (laughs) I I, I talked about that game, and obviously I I won't kind of go over exactly what happened. We all know how that game turned out and ended up. But for you, again, Jacob, you know, you worry about what you can – the things you can control. I know that's something Muschamp really preaches on, be where your feet are, all those good things. But as Mm -hmm. an offense, you know, when you see the bodies going down the way they were a year ago, which was crazy, the way that all the injuries seemed to hit on one position, on one side of the ball, and the defense – was just decimated. I mean, did you guys kind of feel like, hey, we really honestly need to score every time we touch the football because we know we're just not playing with a full deck on the defensive side? 
Yeah, I mean, going in, we uh, we knew we needed to score a lot of points, but uh, you know, every game we're trying to score a lot of points. It's not like it's not like we're going to some games where like oh, our defense is going to play the good this game. We only need to score so many points. Um, we we knew that uh, we need to score a lot of points, you know, to kind of help out the defense because you know the defense in my career they have they bailed us out so many times as well, and um, so we kind of just wanted to return the favor. That's what that's what football is about, man. Is is when one side struggles and the other side comes and picks them up. And uh, you know that was um, that was kind of the case throughout my career. Um, we had we had whether it was offense struggling or defense struggling, um, we I always thought that we did a pretty good job of having the other respective side. Um, execute and uh, you know kind of carry the load for us how how crazy was it to see your teammates going down on that side of the ball though I, I mean it, it, I feel like it can get to a point where you're like god am I next because I mean it was just crazy the amount of guys going down with ankles knees I mean just all kinds of injuries it, it didn't it didn't make any sense I know that for me especially mm-hmm. I mean it was sad I mean not only are these like my teammates but you know these are these are kids that I've you know, I've been really, became really good friends with the last, you know, one to five years. You know, these are, I, I know their families. I, I mean, I know a lot about them. I know so much about them to where, like, it's not just, yeah, they're hurt, they're out. Next guy, it's like, oh, man, like, this guy, this guy's trying to chase his dream and make it to NFL, and you know, these injuries are stopping him. So, you know, we wanted to kind of help them out and, you know, try to play better and, you know, try to get wins for them so that we can kind of boost their morale so they can come back strong and healthier and, you know, during rehab, give them incentive to come back. Um but yeah, it it was sad, man. It, it was it really it really hurt us a lot um, on the field and off the field because we knew how much playing means to us and to them, you know. Because you know you're playing football for what five, four, four to six months, I guess. And but the other the other the other months you're training, you know, you're 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 up at four four forty five a.m. and then you you don't leave until sometimes nine or ten p.m. if you're in camp or you know if you're in the summer you're you're doing two a days, and then there you is get no extra off work, season. So. There is no off season. Yeah, the, exactly. There, there is no off season. Um, but uh, you know, I thought we 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 did a, we did an okay job managing that. I mean, we won seven games. You know, we were not too excited about that, but uh, I thought we did. Um, I thought we did okay in terms of that field. I, I have to ask you just because I see it all the time. I hear it all the time. People ask me about it all the time. I, I think it's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. But what what do you? What do you think of the people that try to say that the reason all the injuries happened was people that have criticized Jeff Dillman, the shoes? I mean, is that not like the most absurd thing you ever heard? Uh, I mean, yeah, that's pretty absurd. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, like, once you get on the field, I mean, Jeff Dillman's not going to be the one breaking your ankle, you know? Like, the other teams, you know, it's weird things happen. So, I, yeah, that, that was definitely, you know, outlandish why in, in terms of why people said stuff like that it's not true it's just people you know trying to let out their emotions and they don't know how so they just use that as a as an out yeah couldn't agree more uh, I, I do want to ask you Jacob about the Carolina Clemson rivalry because I know while it didn't go your way at USC um, that's just that's not a rivalry that everyone gets to play in I uh, talk about you know mm-hmm. your the emotions behind that as a kid that grew up as a South Carolina fan the emotions in that game for you specifically and then I'll ask you your opinion you know, simply put, what do you think South Carolina football needs to do to turn the rivalry back around in the Gamecocks' favor? Uh, we just need to worry about ourselves. Um, we don't. We don't really care about what's going on in the upstate. Um, you know, it's, it, none of that's going to matter. Um, at the end of the day, like I said with Kentucky, it's going to be zero-zero when the game starts. You know, it's, it's going to be whether or not we execute 
the right amount of plays. You know, or we stopped there on, uh, you know, on third downs. Or I know that hurt us a lot last year was uh, not being able to stop on third downs. But that was a lot of what you said about it, what we talked about earlier in terms of injuries. Um, we just need to we just need to focus on ourselves. You know, we can't control what's uh, going outside of of the practice field, what's going outside of the facility. So uh, just staying on the right track. No doubt. So I, I want to ask you, Jacob, obviously, again, I, I'm not trying to ask a bunch of like negative questions, but I, I just want to get your perspective. I want to know, let's jump to that bowl game against Virginia. I mean, in your opinion, or I guess from what you saw, what you heard, what, what you experienced, I mean, what would you say happened in that game? Simply put. Um, it, honestly, looking back at it, it was a blur. Like, I, don't even, I don't even remember that game. Um, it was it's so demoralizing as a, you know, as a, as a senior, that being your last game, you know, you, you want to come out, uh, you want to leave out, you know, victorious, you want to end on a win so you can kind of ride out into the sunset, but, uh, just didn't happen, man. Um, they, they were, when you look back at it, they, when you watch the film, they were just, they were more physical, you know, they were, they were moving quicker. Um, and again, that's, that's a lot on the senior leadership. You know, we needed to, we needed to nip that in the bud when we showed up, but we just didn't, um, I, it was just it was just a tough tough day for us. No doubt. So I, I want to ask you kind of on a, a lighter note question, if you will, Jacob. How jealous are you? Obviously, the uh, the Ken and Cindy Long Operations Building opened up. I believe they moved in in what January, I think it was. Um, how, how jealous yeah. are you that you don't really get to use, or I guess you can go back and use it, but how jealous were you that it opened up literally the the minute after you you leave South Carolina? I mean, it's got to be kind of a <laughs> it was <laughs> it was tough, man. I mean, we, we, especially like during practices, we, we practiced for three years and they were building it and we were like, oh, we can't wait to be in it because initially <laughs> we were going to be in it for a season. So we were looking forward to it. And even, even my senior year, you know, there was a lot of talks of it being open in December. So the seniors were really excited to, you know, get in there the last, the last month and kind of, you know, break it in. But, uh, that place is unbelievable. Um, there's just, there's no excuses anymore, you know, you know, with the old, with the old ops, um, it was kind of tougher to, to get closer with your coaches and your teammates because the coaches were on the other side of the, uh, of the field. You know, they were, um, they were above the student section and then the players in the weight room and the meeting rooms were, were on the left side of the, or on the right side of the field on the other side of the end zone. So um, we didn't really get to see them as much as we wanted to. And um, you know, I feel like that kind of hurt a little bit, but that's, but that's what the new facility kind of helps with is uh, getting players closer with the coaches um, and, you know, just having everything in the same area. For sure. So jumping into this year's team, Jacob, obviously we're only 26 days away from kickoff, depending on when you're tuning into this, but 26 days away from kickoff roughly. Um, I want to ask you because one guy, obviously I want to talk about the tight end specifically with you for just a second. A lot of guys you play with, most of them are back this year. Keel Pollard, Kyle Markway, um, Mm -hmm. Will Register, Evan Henson. I'm going to probably forget a couple, but those, those are the ones I remember off the top of my head. But one guy that I'm really, really, really excited for, and he played a little bit last year, had a little bit of an impact, but love his attitude, love his game. That's Keel Pollard. I, I, I'm sure you were probably at the spring game as well. And I, I, I take spring games with a grain of salt. Like, I don't, I don't put a ton of stock in a guy balls out in the spring game and all of a sudden he's going to be the next big-time thing in college football. But mm-hmm. Keel Pollard is a guy that did it a little bit last year. You have to love his tenacity and the way he plays the game, I, I don't remember specifically when it was, maybe after the Kentucky game when he said we need to do less talking and talk more with our pads, which is just such a football guy thing to say. But uh, yeah. he had a big spring game. You can really see. And I, I, I'm really excited for, uh, for Keel Pollard and think he could be one of Jake Bentley's favorite targets this year. When you look at Keel Pollard and Kyle Markway and 
the rest of the tight ends, but specifically Keel Pollard. I mean, what, what type of season do you think he can have for South Carolina? I think Keel is going to have a breakout year. And um, I also think Kyle is going to have a really good year as well. Um, but, you know, like you said, Keel, he's just a football guy, man. I mean, he just loves to put on the pads. He loves running routes. He loves blocking. He loves getting better every day. He's so passionate about his technique. And this goes with all the tight ends. But uh, especially especially Kyle and Kiel, I mean, they're just so passionate about what they're doing. Um, you know, they love the game of football so much that uh, I think that if, uh, if if Jake can find them, you know, Kyle and Kiel are going to have a great year. But the thing with Kiel is he he came he came in as a as a, as a receiver, so he has that he has that background, you know, to his advantage. You know, he's he's really good with his route. One thing about Kiel that people you know kind of got a glimpse of, but didn't really see that much is he's so elusive. He's very quick. Um, and then on top of that, his passion for the game, it's, it's just cannot be um, understated. Um, he's just so committed. You know, he, I could see Kiel playing, you know, 15 years in the league, 10 years in the league if you wanted to. You know, he's that, he's that kind of player. Um, he's just an electric guy to watch. No doubt. So, random question, Jacob, that just came to my head, but I'm just thinking about your teammates and your time at South Carolina. You guys obviously do something that I feel like has become – infamous at least something that South Carolina fans know about and that's the cock drill which is the one-on-ones who's the <laughs> toughest guy you ever took on in the cock drill uh Danny Fennell and DJ and Dylan Wonham or DJ Wonham I'm sorry Danny Fennell is he has some of the heaviest hands that I went against uh you know cock drill it's just like a condensed form of what we do on the line every play you know it's one-on-one with the guy across the line and Danny Fennell and and, and Wonham they were just they were just such so tough to move. I mean, Danny, he came in, you know, benching a lot of weight, so it's 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 kind of uh, it's kind of second nature to him. Um, but uh, I, I'm really excited for Danny this year as well because he, you know, he's a guy who kind of is kind of waited his turn. I know he's coming off an ACL injury, but uh, if he can if he can you know get on the field and uh, stay healthy, I, I think that he can have a really good year as well. For sure. So I want to talk about as well this this year's team and really the program, the direction of the program under Will Muschamp, Jacob. You know, you talked about since Muschamp has gotten there, you know, it's been solid. 2016, six wins. 2017, the nine-win season. And last year, a seven-win season. And, you know, obviously a lot of people, questions they ask me about Will Muschamp. There's been a lot of different conversations, some credible, some not, I guess. I think the people that any anyone that says hot seat, I completely just discredit what they're talking about. But I just want to ask you the direction of the program under Will Muschamp because I feel really good about it. And I think what people need to realize is, is they need to have patience. And that's not a very popular word mm-hmm. nowadays, but it takes time to build a championship level program. I mean, we're talking about a man that has the mm-hmm. most wins in his first three years in South Carolina history. Um, when you mm-hmm. look at, because you're, I'm sure you're still a Gamecock fan. I mean, you were a Gamecock fan before. And I'm sure oh, you're yeah. more of it even now. Um, when you look mm-hmm. at this program, the direction under Will Muschamp, you know, what are your thoughts? Do you have any doubt that Will Muschamp is the guy to uh, to get the Gamecocks sort of back to where they want to be when in 10, 11, 12 games a year? Uh, no doubt in my mind. Um, I think the sky's the limit for for that staff. Um, I mean, even the guys they have now, the new staff, you know, they made a few changes um, the, after the last season, and, and everyone they have on, on their staff is, is just, like, the right guy for the job. I mean, so much can be said for all those assistants. I mean – you know, the, Coach Muschamp, he, he's, he's an excellent head coach, but, you know, he can only do so much. It's about the guys underneath him. You know, they're just as important. And uh, that whole staff together, especially now, you know, the, the sky's the limit. I mean, there's, there's no telling what they can do if, if, uh, if they can implement the things that they want to implement. 
For sure. So I want to ask you, obviously, though, Jacob, because you're a guy, again, I know as a competitor, I feel like I know what your answer is going to be to this, but everyone wants to talk about going into this year, the schedule. Uh, that's all you hear about is the schedule, how hard the schedule is. And we, we don't care about the schedule. <laughs> and I know for a fact they don't care about the schedule. I mean, that, that's all media. Like at the end, at the end of the day, it's like I said, it's zero, zero, you know, there's, there's 12 opportunities to make history. You know, um, we, everyone talks about how we play the first, you know, the first, First ranked, second ranked, third ranked team in the in the. Yeah, wouldn't you season, say that's but, an uh, exciting thing? There, like you'd look at more as an opportunity yeah, than than something that's a negative. Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, you have an opportunity to to beat the first, second, and third team preseason in the or the, the first, second, and third preseason teams in the country. I mean, that's not a lot. No one else gets to have that opportunity, you know. So I know they're looking at it the right way. They're they they have they have a good perspective on things, and uh, they're just really excited about it. For sure. So, Jacob, talk about life after football for you. Obviously, I know you were working out, gave, I guess, the NFL a try. But if you're still doing football or kind of what – just let Gamecock fans know, I guess, what you're currently up to and, I guess, you know, what your plans are. If football still in the plans for you or, I guess, sort of what the life of Jacob August is like right now. Yeah. Um, so, I did uh, – I actually got hurt during my training. Um, I, I was hurt my senior season with a groin injury and uh, – I played through that and then, you know, going a few months into training, um, it was just kind of best for me to, to stop training because at the time there was no, there was no, uh, there was no cure for what I was going through. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm getting healthier now and I'm kind of thinking about going back, give another try. Um, I worked at, uh, I worked at a Blackbaud. Uh, it's a, it's a software company for nonprofits. Um, I did an internship there this summer. Um, I'm actually, I'm I'm in the last week of it now, so uh, you know Brian Baruff and those guys they really helped me out with that. But uh, you know if I, I can't give you a the, you know definitive answer right now because I'm still in the process of uh, you know kind of figuring it out. Gotcha. No, I I just curious. I was just I, I was hoping that football was still in the plans because obviously I know South Carolina mm-hmm. fans, including myself, would love to see that pan out. Um, before we let you go, Jake, I, I kind of a funny off the wall question. I've heard a lot of funny Spurrier stories, but I'm curious, what's the funniest must champ story that you can, uh, you can tell in the airwaves? Oh man, I, there's a lot of things I can't tell you, but, uh, <laughs> you know, just seeing, just seeing must champs reactions during the talent shows, you know, every year we have a freshman talent show during camp and, and you know, guys get a picture on talent and some of them, some of them are really funny. You know, some of them aren't, some of them are, you know, kind of gross. Some of them are, you know, just things you don't want to like say in public, but just seeing coach Muschamp's reactions to a lot of those videos was, was some of the funniest things that I've ever seen. I mean, they're just, he's Muschamp is like, he's just, he's an hysterical guy. You know, when he laughs, he laughs. He, when he laughs, everyone else laughs. So, um, and nothing I can really tell you, um, you know, in detail, but, uh, you know, he's just such a great guy. Fair enough. I, I feel like it's a little too fresh. He, he's he's bound to show up yeah. at your at your door and kind of put set you exactly. might, might, might make you do, <laughs> make you uh, make you do some up downs or do something. It's, <laughs> you're not right. too far removed from Muschamp's wrath. I feel like. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. Last question before I get you out of here, Jacob. When you look back on your career at South Carolina, if you had to pinpoint it to one, what would you say is your favorite memory as a Gamecock? Favorite memory as a Gamecock. Um, and there's so many. I don't know if I can just give you one, but uh, you know the Tennessee win uh, when they were 15 in the country. You know that was that was incredible. The Michigan game, like you talked about, um, the, um, beating Florida at home was was a big accomplishment for me as well. You know, us as a team. Um, 
and you know that was the first time Muschamp had beaten Florida, so that was that meant a lot to us as well. No doubt. Well, Jacob, really do appreciate you taking the time. Obviously, I want to say I know I speak for all Gamecock fans when I say it was a pleasure to uh, you know watch you do what you guys did on the field. I know for you specifically, coming from where you came from, being a local guy, being a walk on to earn a scholarship, that's always something that's uh, that's really cool and really special. Kind of taking that different route. So I appreciate you taking the time, man. Like I said off the air, would love to have you back on the upcoming months to talk the season and. Hopefully we're talking about the Gamecocks uh, winning uh, double-digit games, going to Atlanta. You never know what can happen. But appreciate it, man. We'll, yeah, definitely, man. we'll definitely talk soon. All right. I really appreciate you having me on. happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com